0: Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space.
1: We've all been experiencing massive disruptions over the past several years from changes in how we shop and how we work to businesses adapting the exponential increase in demand from all parties in the supply chain has led to growth like we have never seen before. So it's no surprise that the adoption of automated and robotic solutions is up, but is there a gap between innovation and adoption? That's the question that we'll answer in today's episode. We caught up with some experts whose work includes robotic solutions, both robots that are bought and owned outright by a company, but also robots as a service. First up, we'll speak to Nicholas DeKeer and Alex Perkins, who both work at Boston Dynamics. Then we'll be speaking with Mandy Dwight from Rios about robots as a service. Gentlemen. Thanks for being with us today. Let's start with you, Nick. Tell us a bit about Boston Dynamics and how you approach innovation.
2: Well, so Boston Dynamics, we're a robotics company, and you know, we're always looking at innovating, finding uh, new boundaries of where robotics can go and uh, improve people's lives in, in every day. So we have different types of products, mainly three, actually. We have. One robot, it's our bipedal or um, humanoid robot called Atlas, which is pretty popular on YouTube these days. And that robot allows us to explore where the boundaries of robotics are. It's it's a complex robot that can do a lot of intricate movements. Then we have uh, our spot robot, which is a quadruped robot, looks like a little yellow dog for context. And that robot is meant as a very mobile platform that can go anywhere people go and has the ability to inspect in construction site, inspect in uh, oil fields, um, and do other type of asset management missions. Finally, we have our stretch robot, which is a mobile uh, robot for the warehouse, and it focuses on handling and manipulation of cartons.
1: Absolutely, I've seen those uh, videos featuring Atlas. I love watching them. It's hard to picture a use case for them in the industry right this moment, at least from a mass adoption standpoint. Um, I did, however, check out stretch that is impressive. So Alex, with this level of technology
3: already developed, what new trends
1: are you exploring in automation and AI?
3: I think a lot of the recent trends in automation and AI involve expanding the capabilities of existing, often human run MHE. So making your fork trucks able to be run both in manual mode, but also give them some amount of autonomy to be able to unload the truck or do some of the high reach put away. Uh, Being able to bring more of the goods to person aspects has been done with custom built systems, uh, such as the Kiva system with Amazon in the past, but we're seeing more and more application of that new technology that you add on to your existing MHE so that you can make dual use of that technology.
1: And how are we using some of this technology? Or to put it another way, what use cases exist for robots just like Stretch?
3: I think there are a lot of use cases uh, in the automation space for bringing goods to person, Uh, with existing MHE, with unloading trailers or loading trailers, uh, controlling more and more of your inbound and in situations where you can deal with probably in the beginning 50% of the task can be done with an automated version of traditional MHE and the other 50% you're still doing manually. And as the technology advances and the AI catches up and then passes, you'll be seeing that 50% turn into 60, 70, 80%. And you haven't had to evolve your technology stack at all. All you've had to do is push out new software as the AI gains more intelligence and more capability. OK, over to you, Nick, what kinds of technologies have you noticed that are being used
1: uh, to support today's workforce?
2: Obviously, if I think about helpful technologies that we've seen, I mean, you'll, you'll find a lot of conveyance technology. So to avoid having the workforce to, to move with uh, material throughout the warehouses, they can use conveyance at a certain level. Then uh, what we see as the next step is, how can you do that in a more flexible, mobile way? And that's, uh, for instance, you know, our own technology comes into play there uh, very handily. Uh, And we've seen, aside from that, uh, our stretch robot, um, I think interesting to see at all the autonomous uh, forklift systems that uh, are are kind of interesting to look at or generally autonomous robots.
1: Okay, so one question I always like asking is what keeps you up at night? And uh, taking into account our conversation about robotics, AI, and innovation,
2: is there anything that you think we should be paying closer attention to? Nick, why don't we uh, start with you first? I think if you look at the demand, for the automation and some of the goods that we can provide to be able to fill that. Um, it's the demand outstripped the supply today. Uh, we see that, and it's not, not just speaking about what we're doing, but speaking with a lot of our colleagues here and other you know, com- companies exhibiting here. They all have pretty full order books. And so for us to be able to keep up with that, um, I mean, it is, it is a challenge and we wanna make sure we can, we can do that. Alex, what about you? What keeps you up at night?
3: I think the biggest thing that keeps me up at night is the supply chain concerns right now, not being able to build systems fast enough. I think a lot of supply chain issues very quickly turn into quality control issues where you know, for automation to be considered successful, it probably needs to be about 10 times better than a person, especially from a safety standpoint. When you see a lot of the very young companies getting their you know, uh, unmanned vehicles out, That's wonderful and fantastic, but if we start having higher accident rates on unmanned vehicles, it's really going to set the automation and AI industry back quite significantly. And one of my big fears with supply chain issues is starting to use substandard components that will result in increased damage rates as a result of automation. And that's going to just be really damaging to the industry as a whole.
1: You know, actually, that's an interesting point to bring up. Has there
3: been a lot of discussion of safety when it comes to automation? I think a lot of people are very focused on safety for very good reason. If you look at a lot of the manual operations, there's actually very high incident rates. People crash fork trucks all the time. People are killed in the automation industry, not infrequently. So this is a wonderful opportunity to take, you know, automation and AI and make something better and safer and more wonderful. So I think it is very much top of mind, but I think there's also very much perception issue tied to it. And I do think robots will be held to, you know, a 10X higher standard for expectations of safety.
1: Since safety is uh, top of mind for many people, and we've all seen some movies with uh, an evil or malfunctioning robot, how do you at
3: uh, Boston Dynamics make sure that robots are ready for the real world? I think there's a couple things that it takes to really be confident that a robot is ready for the real world. Practice, 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 and practice. You know, starting very early, Boston Dynamics has a long history of, you know, test it in the field, because you learn so much more there than you ever do in your lab. So we've built plenty of prototypes of our various robots, take them out actually into customer partner sites, Uh, where we have customers who are eager to partner with us and help walk the journey with us and actually test in their real facilities or they ship us real loads of freight. So we're dealing with realistically loaded trailers. And then how do you just build as many hours on top of that as you can? Whether you get automated tests running in your own facility, you start getting early adopter customers who are willing to work with you and just get as many hours under your belt. We're also incredibly rigorous anytime something goes wrong, as in you dropped a box that counts as something going wrong. It doesn't have to be anything uh, catastrophic or large scale, but anytime something happens, we're very, very rigorous about collecting that information and processing it and making sure we solve that problem. And I will say that's one of the big advantages operating now versus even 10 years ago, the ability to collect large amounts of data and process large amounts of data is a fantastic technology enhancement that allows us to really dig in and solve the small problems before they become big problems.
1: Well, that makes, Absolutely perfect sense. Thanks for joining us today, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure to find out what you're up to in the industry at Boston Dynamics. Okay, next, let's speak with Mandy Dwight from Rios. Uh, She's here to talk to us about robots as a service with innovation booming, especially in automation and robotics and adoption skyrocketing. It seems like this could be a solution for those who wanna purchase, uh, but are on a wait list. Mandy, thanks for joining us. Please assume I do not know much about the concept of using robots as a service. So what can you tell me about this?
0: Robots as a Service is a solution service that, you know, companies offer to businesses of all sizes, all levels of automation users um, in which people pay for the robots for the hours that they're in use. It's a little bit different than a CapEx. Uh, CapEx, um, you know, people would purchase the robots outright. Robots as a Service, it's really a solution. So there's an hourly rate in which, uh, you know, somebody, a user would pay for the robot when it's in use. The good thing about a robot as a service is that everything is really included in that service solution. So for instance, installation, delivery, site acceptance testing, bring up of the machine. Uh, You know, when everything is complete and the robot is really hitting the customer's metrics, then billing turns on for that work cell. And it's not done there. Uh, What's really nice about it is the support, the preventative maintenance, all of those things are wrapped into the solution. So an end user never has to pay for support, never has to worry about when a partner is going to go bad that's always being taken care of at the back end uh, as a solution so really great worry free no uh, robotics engineers that need to be hired at the end customer site just a really really nice solution for them
1: this is a really intriguing and interesting offering What what are some of the trends that you're seeing with robots as a service
0: now, of course, you know that's spinning off into the full robotic work cell. You know, work cell that shows up at your site, brought up in about two weeks, starts working. And you know, these are things that robots that do packaging. You know, robots that do machine tending. Robots that um, will pick totes, pick to poly bags. They'll do a quality check. They'll palletize. Uh, they'll do food handling. You know, so all these things that typically were a very large capex solution to a customer now it's an opex solution that all types of businesses, small, medium size, uh, enterprise level, you know, anyone can get started with robots as a service almost right away.
1: I know that there's a backlog for some components and it takes time to implement automated solutions in a facility, but you know, this is different. How has this approach to robots impacted the industry?
0: Well, I think it's, it's producing goods. You know, i thinking even about American businesses, right? I mean, how do we make sure that they're profitable? You know, how do we make sure that they're, they're hitting their numbers, producing as many goods as possible? Um, you know, if you can't produce your, your numbers today, how are you going to grow your business year over year? And that's what our customers think about every single day. How can they be competitive with the people down the street? How can they stay in business and, and you know, continue to, to grow over time?
1: Fair enough, there are absolutely challenges when implementing any type of solution into a workplace. What challenges, by the way, have you noticed in the adoption of robots as a service?
0: I think it's new. You know, um, customers, they're used to paying that large upfront fee. So I I think it's education of the market, first of all. That's the first challenge. It's, you know, what do I mean? What, What do you mean about robots as a service? You know, what's included in that? And it's like, what do you mean I don't have to change out the parts and pay for that? So first of all, it's just education upfront. And, you know, it's not really a challenge because once the robot does get there, you know, they can take those workers that are doing that task now move them to other parts of the facility um, which is really nice you know a bank of robots like you know 10 to 20 robots can be managed by one upskilled worker that is really you know just just making sure that the robots are fed
1: you know education is always a challenge how are you handling it
0: it's having the conversation, it, it's, you know, it's, it's looking at ROI. It's looking at what they pay for labor now and just showing them the direct translation of what that would really cost them over time. So, you know, looking at costs, looking at the metrics that the robot can do over time. If I look at the robot, right, um, it can do a sustained throughput over the entire day, you know, without you know, any downtime. And right there, you're either going to make your numbers or exceed your numbers every single day of production.
1: All right, Mandy, one last question for you today, what do you see as the future of robots as a service in terms of adoption and innovation? What do you think we can expect?
0: You know, I think it's going to catch fire. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, software as a service, look at where that is today. You know, if you go back 10 years ago, software as a service was you know something that, you know, some people had in some industries. Now, software as a service is everywhere, right down from our CRMs to our, you know, marketing tools, all those different things, right? Um, and, and now robots as a service is going to do the same thing. The labor challenge is not going away. And it's like, how can we address this immediate need right now with little to no budget? You know, if a customer can wave the magic wand and say, you know, instant robotic workforce, you know, get my products out the door, they're going to do that as quickly as possible.
1: Well, Mandy, I want to thank you so much. This is all very exciting and and very intriguing. Really looking forward to seeing more from Rios in the future, especially as it relates to robots as a service. And thank you for listening to this episode of MHI Cast featuring Mandy Dwight, Alex Perkins, and Nicholas DeKeer. If you're looking to find innovations that'll help with your business, make plans to attend Promat 2023 at Chicago's McCormick Place. Visit promatshow.com to learn more. Once again, promatshow.com to learn more. Here at MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to that next level of success. So thank you for making us a part of your professional development journey.